some of you um, that don't know me, I'm Audrey Mack, I'm a full-time missionary. I'm one of your very own missionary from this house. I thank you so much for your support. When you give your support to mission, to tithe, you help us, you help me to go into places that don't have uh, opportunity to, don't have access to the word. So your giving allows me and helps me to do that. So I just want to personally thank you. Amen. I just got an email today. Um, I don't know if you knew about it, but uh, in December, November, December, Pastor Rachel, Pastor Sharon, uh, Pastor Farrell's wife, and Stephanie and myself, we, we went to some very unreached area in India at the border of Bhutan and Nepal, uh, where there is a very heavy sex trafficking area where children are being kidnapped or children are being sold by their family who don't have any, any money to feed them. And then we also went to Calcutta into the brothels. And I just got, we went into the, the first city we went to, we went to four different villages around and we ministered to villagers, to people that really don't have a whole lot. And um, I got an email today that said that after our visits into the villages, they said there is a revival that broke out. They see signs and wonders and there is a lady, a little widow, a little widow lady who is going, take on the ministry to go to village and village and we were working with her you know, supporting her, going, and we were giving gifts and ministering to the people. And they said that after our visit, a revival broke out, and she's going out, and a lot of signs and wonders, miracles are happening. So you have a part of that. Oh, it is so good. Hallelujah. So tonight, I just have, um, I have a special message for you. Of course, every, you, you said we hear that every day, every time, right? But the, why I'm say, what I want to say is that um, last Sunday when I heard, actually when I heard that I was preaching tonight, teaching tonight, I had a message in my heart that I felt the Lord was wanting me to minister. And I said, okay, that sounds great. And then Sunday as I was sitting here and hearing Pastor Paul preach, he was preaching out of the same verses and really on the same vein that the Lord has spoken to me. Now, for me, it's exciting. You know, one of the reasons is because I know that we are not just, it's not like just picking a, you know, Pastor Paul just doesn't pick a, a message out of the pot saying, oh, that sounds good today. No, your pastor, your very own pastor, I believe is preaching or teaching you what the Lord wants you to hear. I call that prophetic preaching or prophetic teaching that means that he's getting divine utterances what is on the heart of the father for you for this congregation for that to me that's encouraging you know it's the same thing i don't know how many of you were here when i preached on in november on sunday morning well pastor paul and i hadn't talked to each other but he ended up the week after preaching on the same line of spirit soul and body now how did that happen like i said we didn't talk to each other that was the holy spirit that shows us that holy spirit is using your pastor to minister words that he has that god wants you to hear that to me is awesome and so we thank god for our pastor paul and so i want to encourage you to pray for him and I want to encourage you when you come to church 
to come expecting from the Holy Spirit. Don't come thinking, oh, this is just another Sunday, hum hum, uh, just gonna get another message. But come expecting Holy Spirit, what are you gonna speak to me? And when Pastor Paul teaches, or whenever a minister behind this pulpit preaches, come with the expectancy of Holy Spirit. This is what you want to speak to, to me or to this congregation. That changes, and I tell you what, as a minister, it changes the way you minister. Because there is an exchange, there is a drawing, there is something that happens from there where you are sitting, where all of a sudden it, it pours out of our spirit. And I believe that tonight will be no different. Are you expecting with me? Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you so much. We thank you for your love for every one of us. You love us so much that you do not want to live us the same. You expect better, greater. You want to take us from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from greatness to even greater greatness. Because you love us so much, Father, that you have chosen, you want to work with us or you want us to work with you. You have called us your very own son and partners in the kingdom of God. And so I pray tonight, Holy Spirit, that you would help me to deliver a message with simplicity and clarity a message that is on the heart of the father for every one of us alongside of what pastor paul delivered this last sunday and i thank you holy spirit for helping me to minister helping us to hear understand and receive get a hold of that word and let that word transform us in jesus mighty name amen god is so good isn't he Hallelujah. Well, um, there was a song they were singing tonight, and I wish they could have sang it again, where it talks about that the kingdom that is in heaven be here on earth, that your kingdom come, that your will be done. And so many times we have tendency, I have a tendency to kind of always ask God, come, bring your kingdom, bring your kingdom. But I have good news for you. God wants to bring his kingdom, but through yours truly, through you. You are the one that he wants to use to bring heaven down, to bring his kingdom here. You are so powerful. It's silent in this church tonight. I'm going to say it again. You are so powerful you can't even imagine you cannot even wrap your brain around it you are so powerful i mean the truth is that when god created man he gave man all the earth to tend to control to protect to cultivate and he gave him the earth but he also gave him all authority you know some 115 verse 16 says the heavens, yes, the heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth, he has given it to the sons of men, or he has given it to man. And the, the fact is, God's will has not changed. He still has given you the kingdom. He still has given you the earth, and he has still given you all authority. You are so powerful. Change has to happen through you. It is not God that's going to 
sprinkle some gold dust from heaven. No, he's going to bring his change. He's going to bring his kingdom. He's going to bring heaven down here through you. That's why, you know, in, we saw in Psalm 8, where it says, what is man, God, that you are so mindful of him? God thinks about you all the time. His mind is full of you. He said, what is man that you are so mindful of him? You made him just a little lower than Elohim, which is God, plural, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. You have made him just a little lower than Holy Elohim. You have crowned him with honor, with glory. You are crowned with honor and glory. And he says, and you have put, you have given him dominion and authority over all things. And you have put all things, everybody say all things. That was just five of you. All things under his feet, under your feet. You are so powerful. You have so much authority. You know, that's why Jesus, before he left, he told the disciples, I give you the keys of the kingdom. What does key? What do they do? They open, they close, right? They allow keys. When you have keys, that mean authority. You agree with me, right? See, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Do you notice the order? You first bind and loose on earth, and it will be bound and loosed in heaven. And who is to do that? You. I love there is a complete Jewish Bible that says, whatever I give you the keys of authority, whatever you allow here on earth will be allowed in heaven or in the spirit realm. And whatever you forbid here on earth will be forbidden in the spirit realm. We have so much authority. And how do we exercise that authority? Can somebody tell me? How do you exercise authority? But that's right, by our words. We've got to speak out, open our mouth to exercise authority. That's how God has set everything in place. And we have so much authority. You know, that reminds me when I first got married. And here it is, we don't know. The Bible says we saw in Proverbs 18, 21, life and death are in the power of our tongues. That's what Pastor Paul was talking about. How much power is in our mouth? We have so much authority. You are so powerful. You have so much authority, but the majority of Christians don't know it. The devil is so scared. He doesn't. He's so scared that one day you'll find who you are, what you have, what you can do. And the day you find out, his gig is up. You know, the Bible says, I'm taking a little trouble. The Bible says, I love it. In Romans chapter 8, verse 19 and 22, it says that all earth is groaning, travailing. Why is there those earthquakes, the waves, the tornado and all that junk? What is it? It's the earth under the weight of sin that is groaning, that is travailing. And it says it is waiting with expectation, the revealing of the sons of God. Who is that? 
that's you, that's me. The whole earth is groaning and the whole earth is expecting for you and I to think, to see ourselves and to start acting like sons of God. And how does the son of God act? He acts, he exercises his authority. We are powerful. And that, I'm going back to what I was going to say. When I first got married, I remember, of course, we decided to sell a house. We wanted to start fresh with a, uh, so we sold our home. But then Fred, you know, he's a builder. So he wanted, for the first time, he said, I want to build my own house. It's his first opportunity to build his own home. So we didn't want to buy another house. We didn't want to lease a place because we wanted to look for a, a, a property where we could build a thing. So we drive, we look, we can't find anything. And say, well, we're not getting bound by any kind of lease or contract. So we found a, a it's, I don't know how you call it. It's kind of a, a um, it's called Show Homes of America. You know, if you ever heard about it, it's a, uh, a company that will, um, that works with homeowners of exclusive, very nice property on the beach, on the golf court, on the, you know, on the river. And they, they want to sell this property. But what they do, they allow you at a very low cost to go into that house, put your furniture, decorate it. But when it sells, you got to get out. So we thought, that's great. Let's do that. Let's just do that. So we started, we signed up for Show Homes of America. That way we could decide when we were going to leave. And we thought that, you know, in a cheap way, we can live, you know, like the rich and famous. <laughs> and so the first house, I remember we were on the golf course. And I'm here hanging the, the, the pictures and moving the furniture and everything. And as I'm hanging the last painting on the wall, a couple comes with a realtor and said, oh, um, we're here to show the house. They walk and stuff. That day they decided to buy it. I'm like, man, I must have done a really good job. So we had a week and a half to two weeks to vac vacate, move to another place. Well, the next place, ding a ding, you know what happened. A month or so later, they sold it. We had to move. Well, in a, in a matter of a few months, we had to move like three or four times. I got so tired. I'm like, uh-uh, no. And I say, Lord, I am not. And then we move on a house that was on the, on the river. So I say, Lord, I am not moving from this house when I say so. When I choose, when I say so, then, but I'm not moving until I decide and I say so. You think, man, that's pretty bold. Yeah. And, but you know what happened? We stayed there for like three and a half months to almost four months. One night, I have a dream. And in my dream, I see myself packing bags and suitcase and furniture, but I was happy and I was moving and I knew it was a good thing. And I woke up and I heard the Lord says, I need you to release that house. It belongs to somebody. You say, what? God, ask your permission? Yeah, because whatever I bound on earth was bound in heaven. And God, I exercise divine authority and God will not break the authority has given me. And so I said, okay, God. And I knew in my heart, I knew in my heart he was good. He said, I've got something so much better for you.
So I said, yes, God, yeah. Ten minutes later, the phone rings. The person from the company said, I'm sorry, Audrey. I said, ah, everything is cool. She said, really? She said, your house sold. I said, I know. She said, how do you know? I just found out today. I said, oh, God showed me, and I'm ready to move. And then we ended up moving on the beach. Woo-hoo. And we stayed there for almost a year. And you know why we moved? We moved from the house because we found our property. Now, why am I saying all of this? I'm saying all of that that will show you we have more authority than we even think or can even wrap our brain around. God is, oh, our words are so powerful. Life and death are in the power of our tongues. We have so much authority. And you notice that's why prayer is so powerful. That's why prayer, what is prayer? It's finding the will of the Father, praying it out. And when we pray the will of the Father in prayer, then whatever we declare and we loose and we bind in prayer, God can do it in the heavens. You see the order? God is not going to do anything independently of the plan, the things he set in motion. He's given us authority. He's given us the earth. He's given us the, the right here for us to bring the kingdom, bring heaven. And it depends upon us to exercise authority. Our words are powerful. But why is it? You see, when we find that in the word, you know, like let's say Romans 4, 17 through 19, that we can, like God, call things that are not visible as if they were. We can speak out healing. We can speak out things that we cannot see that belongs to the spirit realm, but yet though had been promised to us in the word. Healing has been promised, but so many of us, we don't see it. So what do we, we do? We speak it out. I am healed in Jesus' name. We speak, the Bible says also in Mark eleven twenty three that we have in our mouth the power to speak to the mountain. The mountain being any kind of problem that stands in your way. Any mountain, he said, whoever, whoever means I qualify. Whoever, speak to the mountain, not to God about the mountain, but speak directly to the mountain. And commanded to be removed, cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believe that whatever he say will be done, he will have whatever he says. Life and death are in the power of our tongue. But why, when God speaks, Jesus spoke, bam, things happened. He spoke to the storm, it got quiet. You know, talking about storm and talking about authority, you know, when there was the hurricane, I think the first hurricane was like Matthew, you know, you know what I did? I went like some of you went outside and we have around our house, big trees, live oak and huge oaks. I went and I spoke to those trees. I said, you staying, none of you will be uprooted. You're going to stay there. I spoke to the water. I said, water, you stay at the right level. You're not going to flood the, the property. I spoke to the, and then I went home. And then of course we had no electricity. I loved it. No phone, no TV, no electricity. I, I had my husband just for me. I loved it. But you know what I did? The wind, you know how strong those winds and you see the, the trees go and you see the, oh, it was pretty you know, I say, well, what would Jesus do? 
I spoke, I commanded, I took authority over my property. What did I do? I went and take a nap. That's what Jesus did. Don't look at me in, in such a... Was I tempted to fear? Oh, yeah. I opened one eye and I would see... And I could hear. And we have windows all around. But I said, uh-uh. No, I exercised authority. I spoke to the mountain. It stands. And then I took a nap. And then we ended up sleeping for how long? I think an hour and a half or something like that. That was a good nap. And then when Irma came, and I was somewhere in Timbuktu, I got disappointed. I was like, oh, man, I'm going to miss. People say, you're weird. No, that was good. I loved it. No TV, no phone. Well, let's move on right along. Exercise, when you know your authority, you can speak to the problem. But why? when God speaks, it always worked. When Jesus, he said he, he spoke with authority. When he spoke to dead people, they rose from the dead. When he spoke to sick people, they were healed. When he spoke to the storm, it calmed down. When he spoke, Jesus' word was powerful. The Bible even says... In Hebrew 1.3, it says that all the universe hold by the word of his power. The word of God is power. Did you notice it didn't say by the power of his word. It says no, all of the universe holds by the word of his power. In another word, his word is power. His, when he speaks, his word is power. But why is it that when God speaks, things happen, the mountain move, the dead raise, and then when some of us speak, nothing happens? Have you ever spoken to a mountain and the mountain looks at you and goes, nah, 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 Don't look at so innocent. Have you ever spoken to a problem and it looks like it's not moving? You're speaking to whatever, and, and, and it seems like your word doesn't have that same power, that same authority that was in the mouth of Jesus. Did you ever ask yourself the question? It's the word of God. Why is it that in his mouth, it has authority, and it does what it's supposed to do, and in our mouth, it's like the mountain laughs and said, oh, I'm not moving. Why? I'm going to tell you why. Our words is so powerful. But you see, God's word is so powerful because his word has all integrity. His word has all. What does it mean for his word to have all integrity? Listen to what the Bible says. In Psalm 138 verse 2, it says that God has magnified his word even above his name. And his name is his reputation. That means that God's word has all power and authority because God has put his word above anything else. Listen to why does his word has all integrity? Because God has magnified his word because his word is the most important. It says in number 23 in verse 19, it says God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent or change his mind. That's what repent means. Has he said it? Will he not do it? 
Has he spoken? Will he not make it good? What does it mean? It means that his word has all power because his word has all integrity. And why does his word has all in, has integrity? Because when God speaks it, he does it. He's magnified his word. So when God speaks, the Bible even says in Jeremiah 1.12 that he watches over his word to perform it, to do it. What does this mean? It means that when God says something, he's going to look at it, watch over it to make sure he does it. His word has integrity. Therefore, his word has authority and power. Mm. Psalm 89, verse 34 says, My covenant I will not break, nor change the word that has gone out of my lips. What the Bible here shows us, that God's word is so is power, because his word cannot change his word has all integrity and when god speaks something he does it he watches over it to make sure it shall be done it shall come to pass that's why his word is so powerful it has all you you know it's interesting there is even an example in the old testament we see how power how god doesn't look at the word as something you know, unimportant. God puts so much talk on word, on his word, on our words. We find, you remember a story, I think it's in 1 Samuel, or it's in Joshua chapter 9. Joshua chapter 9, when the children of Israel crossed the Jordan, when, you know, uh, defeated Jericho, and then they went into Canaan, and God had told them to completely destroy every nation in the neighborhood. All the nations of Canaan, they were to completely destroy people, children, uh, women, even animals, everything. But then what happened? Somebody from the nation of Gibeon heard about that. And what did they do? They kind of concocted a little plan. They put old clothes they put old shoes that had holes in it. They took bags that were all moldy and old and crusty. They took, you know, water container skins that were all cracked and old bread that was moldy. And then just came and walked to Joshua and said, hey, we came from all so far. We've heard of the fame of your God. We're here to have a covenant with you. And here, big mistake, Joshua did not consult with God. He just looked what he could see, what he could hear. He said, yeah, that's right. Look at their shoes. They've got holes in their shoes. Well, look at their bread. It's kind of moldy. Yeah, they must have come from far away. Because God had said, any nation in the neighborhood, you kill them. And so with that consulting God, Joshua gave his word. He made a covenant with his word with that nation and he says we're not we're gonna you know be your friend we have a covenant will not hurt you or harm you or destroy you and then Gibeon they left and then soon later they found out they had been duped but it was too late Joshua had spoken his words you said well 
They were deceived. Why didn't he come and you lied to us, we'll kill you. Uh Uh-uh, that's not like that's in the kingdom of God. They gave their word and they knew that their authority, their success, uh, they stand even without, depending on them honoring their own word. So they never touched them. But then the Bible says, listen to this, in 2 Samuel 21, 1, we take talking about how important our words are. Are you with me tonight? In 2 Samuel 21, verse 1, it says, Now there was a famine in the days of David for three years. In another word, no power, no success, no authority. Year after year, and David finally inquired of the Lord. And the Lord answered, It is because of Saul and his bloodthirsty house, because he killed the Gibeonites. What happened here? What actually happened? You see here that the nation of Israel, they lost their they authority. They lost their blessing. They lost their authority against. And why? Because Saul, in his zeal, you know, he had disobeyed God. So now he's trying to get back in good terms with God. So he said, in his zeal, let me kill. And he killed the Gibeonites, every one of them. And because Saul, who was the king, broke a word that Israel had spoken, the whole nation paid for it. It's not that God said, well, you broke the word, now let me, I'm going to give you a family. No, no, no. You notice that's kingdom business, that the spiritual realm, because Saul had broken a word that Joshua had spoken and promised that he had made made to the nation of Gibeon. In the spirit, Israel had lost. You see, and God had to allow certain things in the spirit realm to happen. Because here on earth, they had broken their word. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you see what I'm talking about here? Our words are so powerful. God sees our word. It's our our authority, our power depends on the integrity of our word. You see, God's word is powerful because God has all integrity. Could it be that maybe our words has no power and no authority because our words have lost its integrity? Could it be? Go with me to James chapter 1. If you go to James chapter 1 in verse 26. James chapter 1 verse 26. If anyone among you thinks he is religious. You know, Pastor Paul spoke that verse last Sunday. And he does not bridle his tongue, but he deceives his own heart. This release, one religion is worthless or vain. You know, sometimes you read a verse and sometimes words will jump out the page. Have you noticed that? What is it? It's the Holy Spirit taking you like saying, oh, oh, pay attention to that word, dig a little deeper. And so two words just popped out of the page right there. The word bridal and the word vain or worthless. And this is what I discovered. The word bridle means to control, to guide, to restrain. 
and the word vain or worthless also mean with that force, with that power, with that success and result. In light of that, could it be because we do not know how to guide, control our words, how to restrain our tongue, how to guide it in the right way that our religion has lost its power, its force, its effectiveness, and its success. Because we found out, of, ah, you remember Mark 11, when Jesus says, whoever speaks to the mountain and commanded to be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt but believe in his heart that what he said will be done, believe in his heart that whatever he says will be done, we see in this verse that Jesus says, we exercise authority by speaking to the mountain. But our authority will be powerful and effective when we believe that whatever we say will be done. When another word, another way of saying it, when we believe that when we speak, we're going to watch over our word to perform it. You see, you can be on Sunday and go, oh, hallelujah, cancer, I command you to move. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you say things you don't mean, or you don't mean what you say, or you say things that you don't keep. You say, pastor, pastor, pastor Rachel, I'll come here to help you move furniture on Saturday. And then come Saturday, oh, bummer, there is a football game on TV. I promised Pastor Rachel I was coming to help her move furniture. Well, she'll understand. It's no big deal. She'll have enough people. It's silent in this Catholic church, do you know? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, when I'm preaching, I've got, you know the story. You've got one word, but you've got three coming back at you. I'm preaching to myself. That's something that we all have to remind ourselves. Because here is the key. You remember in old time, you remember... You gave your word. You know, when you were giving your word, it's like signing a covenant, signing a contract. You know, they used to say, oh, I give you my word. What did it mean? You can count on it. I'm going to watch over my word to perform it. You see, in old time, when you gave your word, it was like signing a contract. Your influence, your, your honor depended on it. If you broke your word, you lost your honor, your influence, and business with everybody. Nobody would do business with you. Your word was that important. But what happened with the time? The devil has convinced us that words are irre irrelevant, that words are non-important. And so we are in a culture. I mean, most of us sometimes, we do think we don't, without realizing, number one, the impact of it and the danger of it. You know, the devil has convinced us that words just floats, it's no big deal. When in reality, our words are connected to our influence and our authority in the kingdom of God because that's how we exercise authority. And so we see that before people gave their word. And so today, what happened? The devil has convinced us that our words are non important. Oh, you can say something you don't mean. You know, you can say something and then, you know, you, you break your promise or you break your word. It's no big deal. I mean, I remember, like I said, I'm a missionary. So I travel in a lot of third world nations. 
and I go to South America, I go to Asia, I go to Africa. And I remember one time I was in Ethiopia. And a pastor had invited me to preach in his church. It was a night service. So he said, Sister Audrey, I'll come and get you at 7 o'clock. So I said, awesome. So I mean, a quarter till 7, I'm ready. I've got my Bible, my purse, and I'm waiting. And then 7, nobody. 7, 10 after 7, nobody. 20 after, nobody. 30 after, nobody. Finally, it's a quarter till eight. Finally, the pastor, and I'm thinking, I'm, I'm on my way back to my, you know, to my room thinking, well, maybe I didn't understand, or maybe there was like a confusion of some sort. And then the pastor comes, you know, with a big smile, Sister Audrey, you ready? And I'm like, Pastor, you say you were coming at seven. He's like, oh, you know, Audrey, Ethiopian time. I said, no, I don't. I said, Pastor, I mean, you said, he said, oh, it's, you know how it is. And I noticed that very often in a lot of nations, in a lot of people, they will say things. You know, they promise you something or they say, I'll be here at 7 and then they show up. I mean, in some of the churches, they say the service starts at 7, it's 8 o'clock, nobody is still there. You know what I mean? And you said, oh, Audrey, you now you're trying to split a hair in four. No, 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 I understand something. I understand that the culture, yes, this is oftentimes cultural. Yes, I go in some places, Africa, Asia, South America, where people, you know, time is not important. And people said, I'll come at seven, they show up. And yeah, no big deal, but we've got to come in the kingdom of God to understand that the, uh, uh, the uh, uh, citizenship is in heaven. And that the culture of heaven supersede our natural culture. And if we want to have influence in the kingdom of God, and if we want our authority, and we want the mountain to move, and we want our authority to be powerful, and we want heaven to come down, and, and, and the kingdom of God to be manifested, then we have to line ourselves up with the principle of the kingdom of God. And we've got to regain the integrity of our words. It is so powerful. That's the reason why, you know, Jesus even says when he spoke to the mountain and he says, you must believe that whatever you say will be done. When I say something, do I believe it's going to be done? You know, we are in a, like I say, in a culture where we exaggerate. Where we say what we don't mean. We don't mean what we say. Oh, you know, here, and, and here's the thing I love. We don't have to be rude or to be mean, but we have to protect our integrity. You know, uh, sometimes I tell people, if you don't want to hear the truth, don't come to me and ask him, ask me how your dress looks on me. Because I will be sweet about it, but I'm not going to lie. You know what I mean? So many times we are in a political correct culture that we are so afraid to offend anything, anybody, even the whales and the turtle. And I know we don't offend anything that we compromise the truth. We are a society where truth is no longer important. And so we'll compromise truth. We'll break the truth because after all, we don't want to offend somebody. 
You know what I mean? But our authority and the, our influence and our effectiveness in the kingdom of God depends on us being people of the spirit of grace and truth. You know, this Jesus was a man of grace and truth. He never compromised the truth for the sake of grace. But he never compromised grace. You know, he always brought truth with grace. And so should we. I mean, like, if somebody comes to me and says, Audrey, I just bought that, ha- that dress. Does it look good? And you come and that dress makes you look like, doesn't look good at all. Well, you know, I'm not going to be rude and say, ah, you look awful. Oh, no, I'm going to be sweet. But I'll find a way not to lie. I'll say, you know what? That dress you, you had the other day looks much better on you. And if the person is smart, she'll understand. You know what I mean? And I, for me, the friends that I treasure the best are the friends that are not afraid to tell me the truth. And I don't want to be a yes person. I want to be a person who walks in grace and truth. Because it's when we know the truth that we are set free. It's when we hear the truth that we can start moving in the kingdom of God and become powerful. Amen. That's the reason why Jesus said, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. And anything else is from the devil. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. Amen. Listen to some verses. Psalm 15 verse 4. It says, who will dwell in your tent? He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. So that means that, you see, when you make a promise or when we say something, we have so much to protect the integrity of our word. That if we make a promise, even if it hurts, even if you told Pastor Rachel you're coming and that, oh, there is a football game, man, it's that, ah, nah, nah, and you're like, I can miss it. Well, even if it hurts, let your flesh hurt, but keep the integrity of your heart. And you're going to be, oh, man, you're going to find yourself being so powerful and so happy. Number third, um, Number 30. He says, if a man vows a vow or swears an oath to bind his soul, that's what happened. When you make a promise, you bind your soul. He shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that comes out of his mouth. You know, this message tonight is not a message of condemnation. Like I said, I've got like three fingers pointed at me. I constantly have to catch myself saying, oh, I may be exaggerated a little bit. Oh, then you know what I do? I have to go back to the person and rectify it. My flesh will squirm. Ah, but I try to do it. If I make a promise and I'm like, oh, then I'll do everything in my power to hold that promise. And because I know that my authority depends on it. Amen. So it, it, like I said, it's not a message. It's a message that God, you saw last Sunday, this Wednesday night, God is wanting to get our attention. You know why? Because God wants to, now he's like, you are agent of change. You're the one bringing the kingdom. You're the so powerful. I've got, I've given you my authority, but I've got a few little adjustments to make. 
We've got to tweak. Sometimes, you know, I love it. You know, when they sent, when they sent a, uh, I think it was Apollo 13, or I don't know which one, when they sent a, 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 a space, space shuttle or whatever, um, that guy, that astronaut said that before they landed on the moon, every 15 minutes, they had to do course correction. It's not like the NASA just said, okay, here, eh, here's the trajectory, you go, you're going good. No, they were inside the space shuttle. Every 15 minutes, they had to make course correction. You know, that's the way we are in the body of Christ. You know, God has given us the earth. He's given us his authority. He's given us his power. He's given us, and he said, you and I know that we are getting ready to enter into something powerful. Uh, you and I know we are expecting. There is an expectancy where we know that God is getting ready. The great harvest, a latter rain, a something uh, incredible, not, not incredible because I'm going to believe it, but something so exceptional before the return of the Lord. But some of us, we have to go do a little adjustment. Why? Because our words, our authority, the power of our mouth, life and death are in the power. We are going to be people when we speak, men, the demons tremble. When we command, the mountain move. When we speak to, uh, you know, to dead people, they're going to rise from the dead. Because we are sons of God. And the whole earth is waiting waiting, expecting to, for you to get a reality of who you really are, for you to get the reality of what's in your mouth, for you to stop waiting and asking God to do something for you, for you to stand up and say, uh-uh, wait a second, I am a son of God. I and all the devils tremble when I get up in the morning and, all, and, and you start seeing things. Thank you for that one amen. It is us. It is no longer, this move is not going to be the big preacher behind the pulpit. The great move of God, the great revival, it's going to be you. It's going to be all of us together. But it's going to take us understanding who we are, what we have, what we can do, and start being people of the word. People of the word, that when we speak, things happen. So tonight, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm just wherever you are. But you need some time. You know what we have to do? When we hear this kind of message, it demands a response. And for some of us, sometimes it's realizing, Lord, I, did, I wasn't aware of that. And I can tell I have not always been a person of my word. And all it takes is us to realize it, to Repent of it and say, okay, now, Holy Spirit, I'm willing to make a change. Repentance means changing the way we think. And when we change the way we think, we start changing what we do, the way we act. And so I'm going to ask for everybody's got their eyes closed. If you are here tonight and you say, you know what? That message spoke to me. I need to make a change. If it is you, I want to see your hand. Just raise your hand. Yes. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. 
you for people that are truthful, genuine, humble, bold. Lord, thank you, Father. Just repeat this prayer after me and repeat it from your heart. Because it's not, you know, it's not just a prayer or a decision you make and then things are going to be different. No, it's a, a decision you make tonight, but you're going to have to continue to make it. Maybe sometime every 10 minutes, maybe sometime a few hours a day. So every day, every day, every for weeks, maybe for months, until all of a sudden you realize you don't need to remember. Hallelujah. Father God, repeat after me, Father God. I thank you for this word. You love me so much that you, want, you don't want to leave me as I am. So tonight, I repent. I am sorry that I did not keep my word, that I lost some of the integrity of my word. Tonight, Father... I repent, I receive your forgiveness, and I get up knowing that from today forward, your grace is sufficient for me. I will be a person of my word. I will say what I mean. I will mean what I say. And I will watch over my word to perform it. Holy Spirit, I give you permission to remind me of this commitment. Every time I am tempted to lie to exaggerate, to break a promise, or to compromise the truth. Remind me of this prayer. And I thank you for your grace, your divine power that is causing me to will and to do your will. So Father, I thank you. I am powerful because I am a person of my word. When I speak, my words are with authority. And Father, I do thank you that I am powerful and I am part of your kingdom. So Father, I thank you for the great things that you have ahead for me. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hallelujah.